0: Uh, we're going to do a quick review. We're talking about heaven. We're, we're doing kingdom talk. What does it mean to talk about the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is actually the gospel. It's the good news. So I thought the gospel was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, that's part of it. It's, that's because he died for our sins and was buried and was resurrected. He became the substitution. Uh, he became the spotless lamb that we needed to cover the sins of the world, to give us access to heaven. But the first sermon that Jesus preached was, hey, repent. In other words, turn around, have a different, change the way you're thinking, change the way you're looking at things. That's what repent literally means, to think and think again, if you translate it literally. He said, repent, look at things differently, because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near, right? So that's that is what what uh, Becky Jones mentioned about Gail, about Miss Gail, is that she was so full of the Word of God. And that was one reason why she just gushed with this beautiful demeanor is why? Because she was living in the, the kingdom of heaven became very near to her. It wasn't something she had to wait to go to recently. She she displayed it for us, right? So, Paul, the Apostle Paul puts it like this. This is just some quick review uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but, but I love it because we keep repeating it around here. I'm hearing you guys repeat it back to me some in conversations. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He was, he was talking about uh, uh, he, uh, uh, the law of Moses and some of the, the rules on diet, uh, dietary rules that was set up in the law of Moses. And how everyone was making such a big deal about this law, this rule, this rule, And, and we kind of do the same thing in churches. You know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer now, so therefore I, I come to church every Sunday and I go to Bible study or I read this or I dress this way now. I talk this way now. I don't do this anymore. I don't do that. And we think that that's what Christianity is all comprised of. And so what he's saying is after all, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is not a matter of, getting the food and drink one likes. In other words, we can apply it to us. The kingdom of God is not about what rules are you following or not following, and what do you do as opposed to what you don't do anymore. That's not what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is really about. Instead, it is, this is how Paul described it. He came up with three words to categorize it righteousness, that state, which makes a person acceptable to God, or in other words, rightedness, right? I, I am now standing right before God. I can think right, act right, do right. When I'm in a a circumstance situations uh, through the help of God, I can make the right choices, uh, uh, apply the right action. So it's righteousness and heart peace or that peace of heart that no matter what, your, your whole world could be on fire. You could even be nervous, you could be uns, unsettled, but at your core, you're at peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about it the last several weeks. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell right now? In us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So therefore, you have the kingdom of heaven or righteousness, peace, and joy within you. So heaven actually is not a final destination floating around in the cosmos somewhere where God's sitting there on a, on a big throne with a big long white beard looking like Uncle Si off a of duck dynasty, okay That's not what heaven's about. Heaven is the state of righteousness, peace and joy that you get to walk in that's the good news. Jesus Christ died to be the substitutionary lamb for us. He paid the price for our sins. So that through faith in Him, now we can live in a state of heaven here. Does it mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory? No, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. It's not going to be hunky-dory. You're going to have problems. You're going to have problems whether you're living for God or not. But if you're living for God, you can at least face these problems from a point of view that involves rightedness. To think right, talk right, hear right, see things rightly. Know that you are in right standing with God. Peace. Peace peace of mind, peace of heart, just, just peace and joy. You could actually find joy in some of the most mundane things or some of the most challenging things. Why? Because you can approach it via the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's a, it's a way of life. It's a mindset. It's a a sense of spirit. Okay. That's the good news. Now, in order to get into this, Kingdom, notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We got a lot of Christians that call them Lord. They show up to church every Sunday, but they're full of anxiety, they're full of anger, they're full of bitterness, they're full of uh, they're they're full of, of doubt, they're full of frustration. Uh, they're not full of peace. They're not full of joy. <laughs> they're not making the right decisions. They're not making the right choices. And they're not seeing things from the right vantage point. Yet they come to church. They have faith in Jesus Christ. They're on the way to heaven, but they're not experiencing heaven right now, right? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... So those who actually do what God wants them to do, because he's already in heaven, he's already in this state of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It cont- he, it's contained in him. And so he says, if you do my will, then, then you're going you're to be able to enter into this state, right? Matthew 16, 19, he tells us what the key is. How do I unlock it? All right. This is all review. This is all stuff we've been going over the last several weeks. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you the keys to righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is that? It says, whatever you bind on earth, or that means whatever you bind or declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound or declared to be improper and lawful in heaven. So in the heavenlies, and righteousness, peace, and joy, you know, is, does righteousness, peace, and joy Involve chronic anxiety. No. It's not permitted in righteousness, peace, and joy, is it? Well, don't permit it in your life here. Is bitterness a part of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? No. Then don't allow bitterness to envelop your life here. Is chronic hatred, chronic division, is racism Is fear, any of these things, part of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? No? Then don't permit it in your life. That's key number one. Here's key number two. Whatever you loose on earth, whatever you declare to be lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. Is love a part of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Permit that in your life your earthly life is is compassion. Yes, then permit it here. In other words, if God says to do it, then do it here. If God says not to do it, don't do it. See, that's that's simple. I know, but man, it's simple, but Christianity at large, we're not practicing it, is it? Are we? You know, so we so we're we're not experiencing as a whole, true righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Man, we should be some of the most celebratory people on the planet. We should be some of the happiest people on the planet. We should be some of the most social people on the planet. We should be some of the most creative people on the planet. The people of God. Why? Because that's all stuff you can find in heaven. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And it's contained within you. But you can't get it out here unless you permit it to be out here. And stop permitting the stuff that isn't in here. You don't, you need to stop permitting it out here, right? It's that simple. So that gets us to today's text, Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Everyone, everyone's still with me? Say, finally, he got to today's text. He already read a ton of text because the word of God preaches better than I can. Matthew 13, 45-46, it's a really quick story. Jesus is sh- comparing all kind of things to the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to get it through people's heads. Because they all thought, oh, if he's the Messiah, he's going to come create his kingdom here. That means he's going to kick Rome out. And he's going to establish his kingdom right here once and for all. Well, he did come to do that. It's just not this in the earthly realms. You can live under some of the most harshest governmental uh, circumstances and societies and still live in the kingdom of heaven. You can live under the worst tyrant on the planet and still live in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because it has nothing to do with what's going on out here, but it has everything to do with what God is doing right in here. He's trying to get this through, his, uh, through their heads. So he says, again, the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, again, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is like oh it's like something what is it like now pay attention because i read this all my life as a kid and heard preachers preaching about it and so they'd always talk about who the pearl of the kingdom of heaven this priceless pearl but he's not comparing the kingdom of heaven at this point to a pearl he's the kingdom of heaven righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit is like a man it's like a person well what kind of person It's a man who is a dealer or a merchant in search of fine and precious pearls who on finding a single pearl of great price went and sold all he had and bought it. So if you want to know how to live and function in heaven right now, the kingdom of heaven, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit... Then it's like this man. This man was a merchant. He dealt in fine jewelries. He was out on the hunt. He was like us. He's hunting for precious pearls, priceless, precious pearls, something elusive. We do the same thing in life, don't we? We're always searching for something. That's why we buy different houses, build bigger houses, do this, relocate here, switch job. This job's not doing it for me anymore. I need a better job. I need more money. That's my problem. I need more money. This this relationship's not working for me, so I'm going to hop to another relationship. I'm going to do this, do that. We do it within Christianity, don't we? We see a lot of shuffling. That's why uh, uh, church church attendance varies constantly. Man, people just shuffling. Well, this church isn't doing it for me. I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. We 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 just are constantly searching for something elusive, something that we just it's it's got to be out there. This isn't it. It's got to be out there. we there, there's there's got to be more priceless pearls. There's got to be more expensive jewelry out there. I, I, I haven't found it quite yet. And he's got this whole business, this whole identity in trading. You know, hey, I got this. I can make money off of this. I can trade it. I can swap this. I can turn it over. I can do this. And then all of a sudden, he finds something that he wasn't even expecting. And that's even how it is for many of us who have been quote Christians for many years all of a sudden something happens in our life cataclysmic and we get it it's not about any of this religious stuff I've been doing all along but it's about the purity of this encounter and relationship all of a sudden he finds this precious pearl that is so you can't even put a price tag on it and then he loses his mind if you will he does something that probably all of his partners and family and everyone else said, What? Are you crazy? He sells everything he's got. He sells his home. He sells his donkeys. He sells his camels. He sells his boats. He sells his warehouses. He sells his business. He sells everything. He just gets rid of it all just so that he can acquire this pearl. Are you crazy? How are you going to do business? You have nothing to do business with. You have no food. You have nothing. All you've got is this pearl. And apparently this man said, look, I- matter of fact, he lost his identity. He was, a, he was a merchant. Now he's not even a merchant. He doesn't have anything to trade. Hey, do you want to trade that pearl? No. It costs me everything. It means too much to me now. He threw it all away, per se, to obtain something that was fantastic. That's the kingdom of God mindset. That is heaven's mindset. Jesus said if you want to gain your life, you lose it. And in doing so, you find yourself and Him. It's the weirdest paradox on the planet. Matter of fact, we see several examples of it. Matthew 4, 18. I love the way Matthew tells it. Now Luke, the, the, the book of Luke actually opens the story up a little bit. But just going by what Matthew says here. Matthew chapter 4, 18. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he noticed two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, throwing a dragnet into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, come after me as disciples, letting me be your guide. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, stop there. What were they doing with the net? The big old drag net. Now, Luke has a, a, a much more expanded version of this. But just going off of what Matthew gives us. What were they doing with the, with the, the drag net? They were, they threw it into the, the lake, the sea. Sea of Galilee. Lake Tiberius, right there. They chunked it into the lake. And then Jesus says, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and became his disciples, sided with his party and followed him. In other words, they left their livelihood, they left, they left everything that they were in the middle of, and they followed him. Where were their nets? Just according to this. Apparently still in the water, if you just go by this testimony. They threw it over. Well, did the, fi- did the net have any fish in it? Well, we don't know at this point. How much money was in those nets? Well, we don't know. Did they, ever, did they ever reel it back in? Well, according to this part of the story, we don't know. And when the Lord, in studying this, the Lord said, sometimes, David, you just got to let go of things. When you're following me, you get to... See, that's the problem. Here in America, we like resolve, don't we? We like things to resolve. Look at the way that we create our movies, Right? Uh, uh, When I was going, back when I was going to college, before I got into broadcasting and all that stuff, uh, one one of the classes I took, we we had to study the difference between uh, American cinema, traditional American cinema, European cinema, specifically, you know, there's a difference between British cinema, uh, French cinema, uh, uh, then you have Japanese cinema, uh, and that's, that's like totally, totally, like the way that they tell their stories are, Absolutely different than the way we do, but but one thing, and like French, the French love the French love a good tragedy. Man, they'll make you fall in love with a character, and then at the end, they just make them crash and burn. And that's why Americans, man, we don't like French film because we're like, oh, what? No, the story can't end there. And they're like, no, that's sorry, that's the end of the story, man. Okay, but he didn't even get the girl. He. He didn't get the girl, and he also got killed for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And that, that's horrible, isn't it? That's great. But now for us. Think about it. Like, if, if you're going to make a movie, right, we're going to make an action movie, right? Like, like kind of a, let's say we're going to make an action movie, kind of like Rambo. We're going to call some guy who's a retired vet. He's just trying to live his life. Just leave him alone. He don't want to be bugged. So what is he doing? He's out fishing, right? He's out fishing. This is great. He's out fishing. Man, it's so peaceful. He's minding his own business. He's loving the fact that he has no one around him. All of a sudden, somebody messes with, starts messing with uh, you know, the town. And they're like, hey, come on, man. You got to help us out. We got these bad guys messing with the town. No, nah, I'm fishing. Leave me alone. But all of a sudden, they kidnap his niece, right? Oh, man, this is, here he goes. He goes into action, right? He goes, he whoops up everybody, drives everyone out of town, just explosions, just, you know, bullets, all that stuff, right? And we're, yes, oh, that's right. God bless America, right? And then, and then he saves the day. And where does the, how's the movie end? He's back out fishing. Maybe this time with his niece. And they're, they're, you know, but it's nice. Ah. And then we leave the theater. Bravo! Man, now that was a good movie. Because everything resolved. Right? Guess what, Americans? God doesn't promise that things will be resolved in your life. He promises things are redeemed in your life. But things, there are going to be some things you won't know the answer to. Why did this happen? Why did this have to happen? You're not going to... Just trust Him. You're going to have to leave those nets on the bottom of the lake and follow him. And that can drive me crazy because I'm task oriented, man. Give me a to do list. I will check it off, check, tick, 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 check it off, check it off, check it off. I don't want to move to the next The multitasking. I can do it, but man, it takes a lot of energy for me to do it. Why? Because I want to finish one thing. Let me at least get that finished and then move on to the next thing. It doesn't always happen like that. And, and that's how it was with him, Right. Then he goes on, he says, and going on further from there, he notices two brothers, James' son of Zebedee and his brother John, in the boat with his father Zebedee, mending their nets and putting them right. So they're actually taking care of the thing, their livelihood, they're taking care of the things that take care of them, right? And he called them, and at once they left the boat and their father and joined Jesus as disciples, as imitators, as followers. So in other words, they immediately just... They, they lost it all. The thing that was making them money, the things that they, they identified with, this was a family business for these two guys. They walked away from the family business. Everything that they thought was important. There they go. They walk away from. Look at 1 Kings. Look at Elisha. 1 Kings 19. So Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphet, who's plowing was being done with 12 yoke of oxen. So, man, 24 oxen he's got yoked up, which means that he's probably got 11 other guys helping him, okay? It, wouldn't, it would just kind of be needless to have 24 oxen with one plow. So, so, there's probably a big team, which means that his family probably has money, and he's overseeing these hired hands, correct? And it says, Elijah, cross, uh, Elijah crossed over to him. Oh, well, first of all, he was driving the 12th. So he was in the back, right? And they were probably all in separate rows plowing up these fields. Elijah crossed over to him and cast his mantle upon him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he, testing Elisha, said, go on back. What have I done to you? Settle it for yourself. So Elijah went back from him and then he took a yoke of oxen. So he took the yoke that he was plowing with, right? Those two oxen slew them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's yoke as, as the, the firewood and gave to the people and they ate. And then he rose and followed Elijah and served him. So he went and basically burned the boats per se. The, 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 the yoke of oxen he was using to make himself some money to help supply, to identify with. He just, done, here, eat these guys. As if to say, I can't go back. You know, if tomorrow I change my mind, I don't even have oxen and a yoke to plow with. I burnt the boats, blew up the bridge, welded the door shut. It was a total abandon mindset. That's what Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is. If you want to live in the state of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that you're going to be superhuman and never have a bad day. It doesn't mean you're not going to get angry. A matter of fact, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Be angry but do it in righteousness. Do the right thing. Things are going to make you mad. You're human. Things are going to frustrate you. Things will scare you. Things will intimidate you. Things will confuse you. It's all part of the human experience, right? But you do it from a state of righteousness, peace, and joy that brings you back settling down at some point. This is what Jesus said. Luke 14, 27. We've done, folks, a big injustice, right? Because we, we hold these big revival services and these big crusades and we said we had 40,000 people give their heart to the Lord and I'm not belittling that you know Uh, my my good my good friend Mylon Lefevre uh who came and preached our uh um marriage retreat uh love him to death and part of his testimony, you'll hear it. He, he and the, all the years that he performed with his band, Mylan and Broken Heart, and they were one of the top Christian rock, Christian pop groups, out there from the '80s up into probably the early '90s. Uh, he'll talk about. He said, "Man, the Lord used that, and we led over 200,000 people to 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 make commitments for the Lord." That's I love that. It's awesome. But my question is this: Out of those 200,000 people how many of those people were truly discipled by local churches and whatnot, right? And, and so we've, we've operated as church in this Billy Graham mode. And I'm not throwing shade at Billy Graham. God bless Billy Graham. and what an awesome man of God. But we've kind of just operated from this whole, you know, would you come? <laughs> you remember that? He'd always, he'd in his sermons, would you come? You know, you know oh, 40,000 people gave their heart to the Lord. That's awesome. But we've done, folks, a great injustice because it's like, woo, you made it. You made it onto the ark. You're good now. Just hang out. Jesus will come get us sometime, and eventually you'll make it into heaven. Just just, just, just hold the fort until then, right? And Jesus says something completely different. Whoever does not persevere and carry his own cross and come after me, follow me, cannot be my disciple. There's a cross involved. What happened when Jesus carried his cross? He got nailed to it. He died. (laughs) So that means that there's going to be some nailing of yourself to something. And there's going to be some dying out to some stuff. Right? For which of you wishing to build a farmhouse does not first sit down and calculate the cost? Now, many of you built even a home here in Viridian. or or close by. Now, some of you bought houses that already existed. Some of you had it built. Before you had it built, did you not sit down and say, okay, how much is this going to cost? How much is this going to run me, right? Now, can I acquire that kind of financing before I start building this, right? Those are all things you got to calculate, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, if you want to build a farm building, you've got to first sit down and calculate the cost to see whether he has sufficient means to finish it, right? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is unable to complete the building, all who see it will begin to mock and jeer at him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to, or he was not worth enough to finish it. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to pick up your cross and follow me, if you're truly going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you got to count the cost. Because it's, a, it's an abandoning, it's a willingness to die out to everything you thought, you know, uh, you, you planned for. I'm not saying everyone's got to leave their jobs. <laughs> you know, I don't know what God's going to tell you to do. But I will say this, most people that I know that have sold out to the Lord that are truly pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is not a pie-in-the-sky type of mindset. Most people that I know that have honestly sought after Christ to know Him, not only in the power of His resurrection, but in the fellowship of His suffering so they can get to the power of His resurrection, most men and women of God that I know that have walked this road have suffered great loss in their life. They've had to let go of some things. It's not easy to let go of your nets and leave them in the bottom of the lake. Right? Jesus put it this way. I'm going to read from Matthew 10. Let's all stand real quick. Man, I wish I could give you an uplifting message. (laughs) Hey, you want to seek heaven man it's going to be awesome it's going to be glorious and he ain't going to have one problem that you have to face from here on out. man, I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you that. but Jesus, everyone knows about Jesus, right? This man that you say you can't judge me don't you judge don't you judge me? Only my Lord and Savior can judge me i 'll do anything I want to do. and it's none of your business. Because only God can judge me. And Jesus came to love everybody. He loves everybody. He loves me. You don't even have to love me. He loves me. So, that's that's a very common mindset amongst believers. who don't want to die out to themselves. This Jesus, that Jesus that we're talking about. Matthew 10, this is what he says. Reading from the Message Bible. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. Man, that flies right in the face of our American culture, doesn't it? I've worked hard for what I got. I'll do what I want to do, spend my money the way I want to spend. I'll live how I want to live. Everyone leave me alone. I'm an American, right? Right? He said, look, if all you're doing is looking after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. We are are intimately linked into this harvest work. And anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. I'm going to hop before that. He said, don't think I have come to make life cozy If you're going to be a true disciple of his, if you're really going to grow in him, it ain't always fun. Sometimes it's difficult. He said, don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law. Cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. Man, that's tough. What does that mean? Does it mean that you got to lose your family? No, I'm not saying that. But if it came down to your commitment with Christ to pursue what He has called you to do, to pursue what's burning in your heart, what would you what would you choose over that? And that's the idol that we face. But Jesus said, man, if you want to know what I'm about and if you want to know what the kingdom of God is about, You got to sell out. He said, man, it's like a merchant that had the successful business finding incredible pearls. Man, he was on the search for them, but he found one he never thought he'd encounter. And it was so amazing to him. He lost his mind and he gave it all up just so he could acquire that. That's my challenge and question for us this week. What is it that we're willing to give up in pursuit of him? I don't know what it is. It's it's your journey. I can't choose it for you. That's something between you and the Holy Spirit. But I will say this. The times that I have suffered great loss on account of following Christ, I find an amazing jewel in him that I never thought, I never knew, I never encountered. And once I find it, It makes it all worth every ounce of disappointment, frustration, pain, hurt, rejection, everything I've ever had to go through. Just to know him and walk in another chunk of heaven here on earth. I haven't perfected it, but man, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change the journey. Let's all pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for calling us to be your disciples, your imitators, Help us to not search for things, but to search for heaven right here on earth. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And when we encounter it, when we have to let go of relationships, when we have to let go of identities, when we let go of jobs or possessions or whatever it is that may keep us from encountering true righteousness, peace, and joy, let us be like this merchant, Lord. As everything pales in comparison to what you have to offer us. And we praise you for heaven. We praise you for letting us walk and live in heaven on our journey to heaven. <laughs> Thank you for everyone who's here, for those who are watching. Let your word just go forth and bear good fruit this week. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we worship him one more time together as a family? Amen.